0: The Sonic Truth, brought to you by Advertising Week 360 and Veritonic, the audio intelligence platform. On this episode, we're in conversation with Seth Goldberg, VP of Brand Strategy, and Bruce Henderson, Chief Creative Officer of Smile Direct Club. While Smile Direct Club is the first and largest direct-to-consumer teledentistry company, their brand promises something bigger. It's about giving people confidence a brand quality that the company is evoking in a comprehensive audio strategy that includes a new Sonic logo. Listen to their conversation with Scott Simonelli. Welcome to the Sonic Truth.
1: Welcome to the Sonic Truth. I'm Scott Simonelli, and I'm so excited to be here today with Bruce Henderson and Seth Goldberg from Smile Direct Club. Let's have you both introduce yourselves. Bruce, let's start with you. Yeah,
2: I'm Chief Creative Officer at Smile Direct Club, and Smile Direct Club is a pioneer. Teledentistry company, and uh, which really leads our category in uh, doctor-directed aligner treatment for uh, for people who'd like to have their teeth straightened. Um, I've been with Smile Direct Club for two years. I came to help build the brand uh, after a long career in advertising agencies in New York. We're based in Nashville,
3: Tennessee. And uh, my name is Seth Goldberg. I uh, lead brand strategy at Smile Direct Club. I've been at the company for about 15 or 16 months. And I came, uh, again, like Bruce, to help build the brand. I was really excited about Smile Direct Club. I had, as an adult, uh, worn clear aligners from um, another company um, before Smile Direct Club was around. You know, when I first learned about Smile Direct Club, um, I was really interested in the company because it had this mission of making um, smile straightening or orthodontia, right, really accessible um, to all. My background, like Bruce, is uh, very uh, long in the ad agency world. I had uh, jumped to the dark side, the client side, uh, before coming to Smile Direct Club. I was at Cars.com, and uh, that's who I am.
1: People have to have a certain level of trust to engage uh, with something with their body or health-wise that's, that's not in person. Um, and that's a new thing. That's a paradigm shift. So how, you know, broadly speaking, are you, are you developing that relationship with the customer? And, and what role does audio play into that?
3: Part of why we came to Smile Direct Club was the... Um... Uh, organization's desire to build a brand, right, and really help people understand what's different, better, special about Smile Direct Club. We were the first D2C, and we're the largest D2C teeth straightening company and, but we wanted people to understand why us, you know, and build a brand. And so as we were thinking about the brand, right, as we were thinking about evolving our brand strategy, as we were thinking about the brand look and feel, right, it's all about how do we create those memory structures in people's minds, right? How do we imprint the idea a Smile Direct Club in their mind. It's not just about, right, like having a straighter smile, but we believe there's huge power in that smile and how it helps you start to see the world differently. And we hear that from our club members all the time.
2: Exactly. They were self-conscious prior to that. Some felt they couldn't ask people on dates. They couldn't... uh, Really tangible things. They felt uh, really self-conscious in job interviews. Many people feel that uh, their perception of their teeth and and the face they showed the world was inhibiting them in some way. So when we turn to sound, as Seth said, I think you know, like many uh, marketing departments and advertising agencies. You, you might not be surprised to learn we have a lot of musicians (laughs) on the team uh and we're in nashville which is a great place for a musician to be there's Um, no musicians in
1: nashville exactly none (laughs) um i
2: I was in the music business for 20 years before i got into advertising and and love music and sound but also most of us you know we're students of advertising as well and I think if you've been alive for a long time, uh, you know and you work in this business, you know a couple of things. One is that sound is sound and song and audio are among the most powerful memory triggers we have, next to our olfactory sense, right? It's hard to use our olfactory sense in in advertising as much as we would want to. But sound we can use to great effect. And I think, you know, you you needn't look no further than great brands like State Farm who still use Like a Good Neighbor, State Farm is there, the song composed by Barry Manilow in the 1970s, uh, to great effect, you know, and they have 50 years of brand building behind that. So we pretty much from the get-go, when we started talking, knew that we wanted to have an audio footprint. We wanted to have something that was identifying. And that uh, really began with the music we started having composed for our spots. I mean, you probably remember, you may remember, Scott, there was a moment where, you know, brands seemed to shift, and this happened probably throughout the 80s, from composing jingles to using... using pre-recorded tracks, often by famous musicians, uh, in their commercials. And I think that, you know, it, to a large extent, that was a big mistake. Sometimes it's really likable, but, you know, if I remember correctly, Microsoft paid $10 million to use Start Me Up for Windows 95, and nobody associates that song with Windows. You know, so in my view, that wasn't a great investment for the brand. Um, So we really believed in the power of music. We started uh, working with composers to compose original music for our TV spots um, and really tried to reflect who the brand was at heart in the tone of that music. You know, we want to have an upbeat, optimistic feel. And that extended to when we started. We talked very on. We talked very early on, probably 18 months ago, about Doing a, a mnemonic for the brand um, to create, and frankly, nobody in our category really does that to create uh, something to be closely associated with this. So we believe in the power of audio. Uh, we believe in it for a variety of reasons, not the least of which we think it can emotionally represent our brand. But moreover, that it's a great memory trigger
3: and brands are built on memory. I think the other cool thing is we've also seen the power of um, music and sound in driving the effectiveness of our work, helping drive the business in other ways. Bruce and team have done an awesome job of finding, like, how do you pace music, right? How do you introduce beat into, the, into commercial to really make sure that we're breaking through, right? And catching your attention at the right moment. Um, and we've done work to really understand how do you place the right sounds and the right moments to make sure that someone turns and, and is watching your commercial, right? Um, and that's been really powerful for us. And so the org um, gets really excited about music, right? And that's why, to Bruce's point, we're not just uh, looking to use any music, but we're looking to find music that's gonna work for us as a brand. Um, but also drive the reactions and the um, outcomes that ultimately all of our marketing activities are meant to do.
2: You know, again, we had a debate internally uh, when we started discussing doing in Monic about, well, nobody else does it in our category. What should we read into that? And Seth and I both said the same thing. We said we should read into it that people are missing an opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's a huge opportunity because you look at insurance, you mentioned State Farm. It's just the bar is so high in that vertical, and they all do it reasonably well. You know, with the exception of maybe yeah. Geico, like and, and and it continues to work. And it's like they're they're it's like the you know Premier League. <laughs> One quick question though, and I can't resist asking this question because it's the culture of data driven decision making. Is that something, you know, that kind of lives across SmileDirect? I would say yes and no. We're
2: incredibly data-driven. We look at everything. Um, I think uh, I think it will always be a balance. I think our business will always be art and science. I, I think that, you know, the m- mnemonic's a great example because we went and developed it and we got to where we are. And we gladly, because we test everything and look at data, really wanted to test uh, with your group. And we got some really nice initial results back. You know, it tests better than the benchmark in the category by a large measure. We're very happy about that. But ultimately we won't know how it impacts the work until we've run the work and run it for a good long while. One of the dangers of being extremely data dependent is people lose uh, respect and trust in gut, intuition, and experience and expertise, frankly. I can tell you that there are two things that people generally react poorly to. One, The first is something they're really accustomed to and tired of, and the second is something they haven't yet experienced and aren't accustomed to. And I think of it, music's a great touchstone for that because I'm first and foremost a huge music fan, but I also love film and many other forms. Of, you know, And I think you'd say this about any artistic form where you're interested in people who are really pushing boundaries. Data, give, data is really great directionally. And at present, this will change with AI, but data can paint a really accurate picture of the past. At present, it can't
1: paint a super accurate picture of the future. Yeah, no, predicting the future, I think, as everybody can probably attest is a hard thing to do. Um, but it's also like, I think the people who have a data-driven culture have the confidence to... To say no or yes to the data. I think the people who don't have a data-driven culture tend to like, feel like it's gonna take over their world.
2: Our organization uses data in a really smart way, in the sense that we try a lot of stuff. And and a lot of those things, and there's a very open discussion of it in the organization. Really, anyone can propose something. And we'll try a lot of things, and we have, and you know get out there, try stuff, see what's working, do more of what's working and stop doing what isn't. And I think it's
3: important that you look at data, right? Like we, I think what we're all saying, right? Is you use data to inform and to help to provide direction, right? But you've also got to use our experience, right? And, and you've got to use your knowledge to drive decisions.
1: Right, just just give me some guardrails. <laughs> exactly, right?
3: So I- you know, also,
1: also to benchmark for the future, right? You can't predict the future, right? but when you're doing something three months from now, it's like, well, let's let, how how did this- compared to something that happened in the past, just so you have some baseline or some some something to look back on.
3: Yeah, we want to make sure, you know, like I, as a strategist, I've always said like the best brief I can give a creative is giving them a sandbox to play in, but not telling them what to, how to play the game itself, right? And so that's how we look at data as well. Are we in the, are, you know, I think about it in this instance, are we in the right sandbox, right? Is it, is it allowing us to do what we need it to do? But, but you know, like I don't need it to make the dis, every decision for me, right? And we don't need it as an org to make every decision for us, but we want to be informed about what we're doing. And so, we are very data-driven and we wanted to make sure we weren't sort of jumping off the wrong bridge here, um, but we wanted to make sure we were playing within the right space um, to do what we need the audio logo to do for us.
1: I find, I find that data liberates creativity, right? Because when you have no data, people just create the same thing over and over again. Right? It's like, well, I'm, I'm going to make an audio logo that sounds just like this one or that one. And then, and, and then you know, when you have we're like, well, we're going to test this just by saying we're going to test it, it's like, well, try anything. Because, right, you know, if it's completely way off and going to offend everybody, well, we might find that out. So take a chance. Um, you know, we don't want everything to sound the same. That's not going to help. You know, you partnered with Man Made Music on this, which is a well-known producer. And, and tell us about the strategy, what, what these are supposed to convey. And we'll play a couple, and, and you can tell us what you think. In one of the
2: meetings we'd had with our CEO when we were talking about this, and we, our CEO said, look, if it doesn't make me smile, it, it's not right. And, and, you know, that was an incredibly important point that's core to our strategy for our work. And in many ways, it was core to our strategy for pursuing, A, the the company we worked with to do it, but B, what we were looking for when we
1: we heard it. We'll be right back.
0: With consumers moving rapidly toward more audio-centric lives, brands are increasingly looking to sound to reach them. The Veritonic Audio Logo Index analyzes consumer response to sonic brands. The resulting ranking is a glimpse into which brands are truly making their audio logo work for them. Reserve your copy of the 2021 Audio Logo Index by following the link in the episode description below or going to veritonic.com.
1: That was the one that came in first overall. Now, there's obviously ones that did better on some other things. You know, give us some insight on, on that version. Yeah, that, that version is really
2: the bass logo in the sense that um, that's the core sound, it's the core melody, um, and it's really the first uh, version of it that Man-Made developed. We asked them to explore some variations, which we'll listen to next. The one with the whistle here. Yeah, I think the whistle probably came in second, unsurprisingly. Some of the debates we had internally are, you know, there are some logos out there with whistles now. And part of the debate we had is, are people responding to it because it's familiar? Or are they responding to it because they love it? We love it, and we love it for a variety of reasons. One, it's very disruptive. But two... Um, we like the fact, and it's the same reason we like the vocal arrangements. It originates in the mouth, which is where we do our work.
1: Mm, That's great. And and look, a best practice that we've seen is singing. So now to the next level. Singing and saying the name of your brand are two things that we've seen if you read our audio logo index. But it's so hard to get right. I'll actually play both of these vocals, and you can give some comment on these. Or actually, there's three with vocals here, it looks like.
2: That's the scat version. So one says it, one doesn't. That's right, one is sort of a vocal scat version where they're just singing notes. The second is actually singing our name with, uh, with the underpinning of the music track. And then we have a third version, it's acapella. Smile Direct the Club. They all basically tested above CPG benchmarks, which we're really happy about. Um, we've made the decision to go out first with the version with the music and our sung name for a very specific reason, which is we're at a different place in uh, in brand awareness than a state farm is. So we think it's vitally important that people hear our name. A second thing is, you know, there's a school of thought, and this probably isn't uh, news to you at all, Scott, but... There's a school of thought that uh, some of the best audio logos in history um, for for various brands in many categories uh, have something in common, which is that the number of notes match the number of syllables in the name. So when you think of NBC, NBC, and that becomes a memory trigger as well. So when we briefed Man Made, we asked for them very deliberately to come back with a range of executions that answered that. And their process was really interesting to get there because they actually recorded several of their team members saying our brand name and used the cadence of that speech to inform sort of the tempo of the delivery of the notes. So it was a really interesting process. Uh, We feel great about all the iterations and imagine that we will use as time goes by, end up using many of them. Another thing that's interesting to mention with the, the palette of logos we have is that we're a very rapidly growing global company. You know, So we started in North America, uh, have done extremely well in North America. We're now in a number of countries in uh, EMEA, where we're establishing, we're in Hong Kong, Singapore, um, And I think uh, what we'll see is that, while particularly in the former Commonwealth countries or the Commonwealth countries where English is spoken, our logo singing our name will be very effective. And even in some countries where English isn't their first language, like Germany, where English is spoken by a huge number of people in the population, but as we move into other territories where English uh, is not spoken as much in the, in the breadth of the population, like a China, for instance, you know, it probably won't make sense to use the the version that sings Smile Direct Club. Uh,
1: one of the best meetings I've ever been in, uh, Bruce, which you'll appreciate, was having someone in the U.S. Uh, be very, like, outraged by finding out that, you know, 20-year-olds 20, 20 in China didn't like the same Uh, music is as they did like what how can that be um turns out it's a pretty diverse world out there um yeah uh, real quick before you guys go and this has been great we covered all ends of the spectrum here what's next for smile direct how is this rolling out you know what are what are we going to hear from next and what can uh you know people look forward to coming from you guys
2: well i think we've just launched a new campaign called choose smile um that's rolling out across the U.S. and, and will follow in the rest of the world. And it's really based on some really interesting strategic work that Seth did about, in many ways, both the core of what we do and why we do it, but also the moment we're in culturally. And I'll let Seth speak to that a little bit.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, we've always been, a you know, and as we've talked about, we're this brand that's about, how do I have a new perspective on the world? And what we've found is, you know as the pandemic hit what people were starting to focus on was really like this new perspective on themselves and the things they could do for themselves and the things they could sort of like find that they could control in their lives right i think it's why we saw so many people you know baking bread or doing crafts right or starting to work out these were all things you know that i could do and i could achieve and i can control right when the world around me felt so frankly bananas right um, and out of control. And and whether that was the pandemic, whether that was, you know, social inequality, whether that was things going on politically in the United States, right? But we saw this globally. And, you know, what we started to think about was do this for, as something for yourself. Um, you know, this is something you can do. This is something you can control. And this is an outcome you can see. Um, and so that's where the idea um, really started to come from. And the idea of Choose Smile was not just about, right, the brand saying, we can help straighten your teeth. But this was about the brand saying, we can help you choose the things you want to smile about. And that's how we're starting, right? And that's that's the work you're going to start to see out in market. and, And the mnemonic is part of that. Over time, right, we think as the world starts to open back up, um, that perspective of now that you've done it for yourself, helps sharing that with others will become very important.
1: Awesome. That's inspiring. I, Seth, they should put you in the ads. Um, <laughs> no, <they shouldn't. laughs> you just, you just scored like an 89 for me. This is, I'm, I'm in. Um, well, listen, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again soon uh, or maybe about a year from now to see how this all went. Worked yeah. out.
2: Yeah. It, it would be great to talk about more again. Uh, Thanks for having us on. Uh, you definitely put smiles on our faces, and uh, you know that's something we feel pretty passionate about. So choose Smile. Choose Smile. Thanks, everyone.
0: With consumers moving rapidly toward more audio-centric lives, brands are increasingly looking to sound to reach them. The Veritonic Audio Logo Index analyzes consumer response to sonic brands, The resulting ranking is a glimpse into which brands are truly making their audio logo work for them. Reserve your copy of the 2021 Audio Logo Index by following the link in the episode description below or going to Veritonic.com.